Welcome to this one time at OU. Thanks for joining us. I have with me today Matt and Bill, who were in the Crunch. Many of you re- may remember the Crunch Band. They were very popular when I was there uh, in the late 80s and early 90s. And I got to admit, you know, don't really remember a lot of the details, except I was having a ton of fun whenever I saw them. They had some killer covers. Um, and I am so excited because we're going to learn more about how the crunch started, how they met, what they're up to now. And I'm hoping for a good story or two. So hi, Matt and Bill. Welcome. Hi, Roz. How you doing? I'm good. Hi, Roz. Thanks for having us. Hi, Bill. Thanks. Thank you for coming on and taking the time. Um, You know, I just love Athens so much, and I love the music scene, especially. It's where I fell in love with music. So tell me, uh, you were telling me that you guys were roommates at OU. Is that how the crunch started? Well, I think the band started before that, but, uh, but yes, Matt and I were roommates all through college. And uh, and continued uh, after college for a while, but uh, yeah, we've, we've we've always been tight, both uh, musically and as as really good friends. Well, were you friends before OU? Uh, no, at at you at OU. Yeah, we met at OU, and uh, I uh, how the crunch kind of be started was. Uh, it was Captain Crunch, and at that time, uh, they had a different drummer and bass player. Um, and I had actually met Bill then. That was, I think, in 86, something like that. Is that correct, Bill? Uh, yeah, right around the 85, 86. Uh, and actually, it was Pat O'Connell, who was a friend of yours back from home. Is that right. correct? Yes, uh, me and Pat and Mark Grimm, uh, the drummer that was in the Crunch, before, Captain Crunch before, we all had a, a trio back in my high school at Mentor High, and uh, actually, we actually played our uh, senior prom. So, you know, I was having a great time. My date was not at that time, but uh, I remember playing that, and then the year later, they came to OU, and uh, I came to visit them, and that's when I met you. And then a year later, I was at OU. I see. So it was the Captain Crunch Band originally. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, that formation of the band was Pat O'Connell was on bass, Brian Wolbers was a drummer, and Chris McKee was the drummer. Uh, excuse me, yeah, Chris McKee was a drummer, Brian was a singer, Pat O'Connell on bass, and myself on guitar. And oh then, my gosh, I totally dated Chris McKee when what? I was in college. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well... That's, you know, we kind of cut our teeth at the Hangar 5, you know, down uh, at Athens. And, uh, boy, there's a lot of great stories uh, about the Hangar 5 as well. But uh, oh yeah, that's Love where the, the band kind of started. And, and, and then I remember Pat went on to play bass with uh, Bluesimus Maximus, a great, great band, another ba- great band out of Athens. And... Um, that's when Matt came on board, you know, because again, there was the connection between Pat and Matt and uh, things just kind of worked out and Matt came on playing bass. Right. Oh, that's so funny. I dated Chris during his Mobius Cobius years. <laughs> nice. 
I remember that band. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, we were totally there at the same time. I was there 86 to 90. And uh, I was I was hanging out with as many musicians as I could. I loved it. So, <laughs> so that's yeah, so funny. Yeah. It was pretty rich musically uh, back in that time as well. Uh, I just re- remember the Snapdragons. They uh, actually got uh, signed by Atlantic Records for a single album deal, I believe. And uh, it, they did do some touring and stuff like that. But I, I, I think it was only one album. Then they were pretty much finished after that. But it, the one thing about it that I remember was that I bought uh, my first five-string bass from their bass player after they did their album and stopped touring after that album, he was selling his bass. Uh, I think he had it posted at the dugout or something in Athens. And I ended up picking up that uh, five string bass from him. Ah, was that Noel? I remember Noel. Yeah. yeah Noel, was yep. the, Noel was the guitar player. Noel was the guitar yeah. player. I, th- I can't remember yeah. the bass player's name though, but it was the bass player that was in the Snapdragons when they did that. Uh, that wasn't Kevin, was it? The uh, I can't remember his last name. Big tall guy yeah. that played. Yeah, I think yeah, it was with the long curly hair. Uh, what was mm-hmm. his name? I can't remember his last name, but no, I, I still keep in touch with Noel. Uh, okay. Through, through social media, he's up in New York, and uh, he's still playing. And uh, but yeah, like just to comment what Matt said, there was a very fruitful music scene down there. Uh, you know, not only with the bands that formed there, but also with the the locals that were there. My lord, the, the Van oh, Riper, yeah. the Van Riper brothers, uh, the Wingnuts. You know, all those guys. Uh, oh. Johnny Borchard and Jimmy Smales and and John Borchard, and man, those were those guys were just really, really playing some phenomenal music that. Uh, was got the guys that we were looking up to at the time in terms of like musicianship at, you know, and at the same time, there were a lot of great guitarists, uh, uh, that played not only with, uh, in bands, but, uh, just that liked to jam all around there. Guys like Freddie DeMarco, uh, Steve Egan, you know, and, uh, those two guys, you know, and myself, we always would kind of get together and, uh, just share a lot of great music, but, uh, a lot of great musicians yeah. came out of Athens oh, yeah. and moved on. They, yeah, I know. That's, that must be why I loved it so much. I don't know if you know Adam Brockin. He came on our oh, podcast. I keep, He's yeah, an I, old friend of mine. Yep, I <laughs> keep in touch with him on uh, social media. Yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. He uh, you know, talked about how it was just such a great time that time, and anybody was just willing to jam. Any idea you had, they were it was just fine. Let's do it. You know, that's that's seems like that was part of what I probably loved about Athens, that whole free flow and music scene. Well, you, you know, being in Athens, uh, it was the whole vibe that kind of drew me to Athens, that whole uptown area, Court Street and everything. I mean, that was the kind of the social meeting place for most people. Um, and I, I just remember the times there. I mean, there were you know, times you'd be playing, you could be playing at a Hoolies, and you'd walk down the street to the Nickelodeon and there's a band playing there. So it was always cool that there was bands playing everywhere and, and, and just, uh, just a great scene uptown. And, and another great fact is that you didn't have to drive anywhere. You could walk wherever you wanted to go in Athens, you know? Right. Made very uh, good for bands and beer drinking and shot taking. And yeah, <laughs> I know. I loved that <laughs> too. Loved absolutely. it. Absolutely. 
you can leave with who, like, I'm leaving, or you leave with yourself, or with groups, or with, like, it was very easy to just go home whenever you wanted. It was great. Well, you yeah. can't. You can't also forget, uh, you know, the epic Halloween uh, celebrations, and we were, uh, you know, fortunate enough to be a part of those celebrations during our time down there, and the Palmer Fest parties and the the Spring Fest parties. I mean, the list goes on and on. There was just music, a lot of great music. Yes, let's get into that. I want to hear about how the some of the crunches. Uh, you know, favorite times they played in Athens. So you had the band, you said it started in 86. Uh, is that correct? Did you guys, did you guys start in 86? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, 85, 86 is kind of when things I think kind of took off. And then, uh, you know, with Matt, with moving forward with Matt, Dino and Brian and myself was right, you know, the tail end of that. Is that right, Matt? You want to chime in on that? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Athens was really coming together. Uh, we happen to know uh, Jim Prouty. I don't know if you remember him from O'Hoolies. And, you know, you know, he'd have us on a weekend and stuff. And it was just, it was, I think there was another place called Events. And that's really where the Crunch's first gig, I think, was because they, uh, Brian and Bill were both bartenders there. You remember that? Oh, I forgot about that place. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I I, I totally. Yeah, that just totally rocked my memory, Matt. You're right because I helped open up that restaurant as bar manager, and Brian came on board and got him a job as a bartender there, and we were both kind of working there. And then the owner of the bar, Rick Wanger, I remember he asked about trying to do an open mic night, and that's kind of like where the first version of it kind of fell together. You're right, Matt. Totally, totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and originally, I think what put us together in that conglomeration was uh, there was an event coming up. It was a Levi's event, and they need uh, they were the sponsor. So it, we called ourselves the Buttonflies, and we played this event that was sponsored by Levi's at events. Is that right, Bill? That. Yeah. And then out of that, and then out of that, it became you, me, Brian, and uh, Dino. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And Dino was going to join us, but he had some technical difficulties. So we are going to have him on another time for sure. Um, but uh, as I recall, the crunch, uh, you know, there are a lot of fraternities and sororities hired you, a lot of parties and and uh the lot where the diner is now uh right am i remembering that right like where'd you play the most and what was some of your favorite places to play uh, i i i remember playing the dugout was uh one of my favorite places i mean the the memories there i can remember we would do a weekend and there would actually be a line around the around the door you know around the block uh for both nights it was just an awesome time back then and you know, I, I don't even know if you could do that today because, and Bill, you could chime in on this. There, I don't think there was a, any exit door. So there was only one door, and it, and it was in the basement. <laughs> so there was only one way in and out. Fire Hazard City, man. It was, oh, my Lord. I remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. That place was, was special. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, but, yeah, we would pack that place and, and do two-nighters in there. And I would say... Dugout and O'Hoolies. Those were the two yep. places where we really cut our teeth and really developed our following. Um, but you know the and 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 that was with that the lineup with Brian, 
um, at the helm there. And then I think when you're referring, Roz, to the uh, frat parties, sorority parties, I think that's when the transition happened where Paul Newman came on board. And, um, you know, we, did, we kind of went, I think, through the years of doing a lot of those parties with uh, Paul as the singer and guitar player. And then later on, uh, Jim Wolf came on uh, as the uh, keyboard piano player. Ah, okay, great, great. And let's, I mean, for people who don't know what kind of music you did, uh, you want to talk about, I remember, like I said, Killer Covers when I introduced you. I'm not sure if I'm remembering it right, but I believe there was a sugary that got me jamming hard all the time. Um, uh, but then didn't you also have some originals? Well, uh, you know, as far as the sugary Grateful Dead vibe, I would say that's kind of where Paul brought that to the band, you know, because in that transition of uh, Brian leaving and Paul coming on, you know, we def he definitely brought that Dylan, Neil Young, uh, Grateful Dead vibe, you know, to the van. And we, you know, did, did uh, some of that music live. Um, as far as the originals, you know, there were songs that were written with Brian uh, that we still held on to and still play and there were tunes written with Paul that came onto the first CD uh, but yeah we did a total of three CDs um, but yeah lot, lots of great influences on all three of those albums yeah I mean you guys just really got the crowd going and you were very very popular everyone just loved you <laughs> well you know back in the day uh, there used to be a saying and we'd be on stage and we would play at times for three hours straight. And when we were done saying that we were going to, Hey, we're done. You know, they're closing up the place. Crunch don't break. Crunch don't break. And they would keep chanting until we played another song or two. Chanting and that then, anthem. Yeah. 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 It was, it was just incredible <laughs> times, man. It was just, you know, it, 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 you know, Everybody wasn't distracted by cell phones and trying to, you know, capture every moment, video, picture, and all this. You're actually in the moment. You're enjoying it. We don't remember a lot of it now. We wish we had a cell phone maybe back then, but, uh, you know, what a great time it was. I loved it. No, I'm glad we didn't have phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. I, I don't need those. I don't need pictures. But uh, yeah, I remember that crunch don't break now. How funny. Uh, well, what are some other, you know, do you have any favorite fan memories or any crazy stories for us? Well, we, uh, I, I remember, you know, we, we played a lot of different places, not just, you know, the bar scene in Ohio. I mean, we were kind of all over the Midwest. We even played Myrtle Beach and, and all that. But we spent some time out at St. Thomas at a place called Barnacle Bills. And uh, we were out there. This was like, I think it was supposed to be, uh, and you could chime in on this, Bill. I think it was Thanksgiving to Christmas. We were supposed to be there for four to five weeks. And we were playing. Uh, there would be days where we play, on Saturdays, I think we played two shows. But we were playing every day of the week. And we might have had, uh, what, Tuesday off or something on an off day, something like that. But that was, that was a great memory. But while we're there, uh, performing all this, you know, on the, uh, you'd read the, the local newspaper and two found dead on the beach just down the way from us where the band house was on the other side of the island. So I don't know, Bill, you, you remember that? 
It was. I do, uh, I do remember. Yeah. yeah, I do remember. Just yeah, that you know, we were on kind of like the blue collar side of the island, and a lot, and uh, it was a little dicey because I also remember that you know all the locals knew where the band was staying because part of that yeah. deal when we went down there, I think it was yep. after Thanksgiving, we flew down and we it were contracted was, yeah. to play till like Christmas Eve. And uh, yeah, Barnacle Bills, I remember the place. There was that huge fiberglass uh, crab that was on the roof about yeah, the size lobster. of a VW bus. It looked like an old <laughs> lobster, yeah. It looked like out of a yeah. 1950s uh, horror movie. But yeah, yeah. what was dicey was that the locals knew where we were staying. So when we were playing our gigs, we got broken into one time. They went through all of our stuff, and it just turned into a not, not the best gig. So we had to bug out and leave town. Uh, the owner got real uh, red with us, and he bolted our stuff to the stage with chains and wouldn't let us leave. <laughs> we had to call the cops and have them like cut our gear loose, and then we... Got some locals that did like us, help us throw our gear in the truck, and got us to a hotel at the airport, uh, right next to the airport. We stayed up all night, didn't go to sleep, because the, you know these guys were waiting outside, going to kick our ass for leaving town. I mean, it was dicey. It was dicey. <laughs> Wait, that was in the Virgin Islands? Yeah. Yeah, St. Tom- Thomas. I, how, how could they not like you in the Virgin Islands? <laughs> Well, it it's it, it became a situation where you know it just wasn't a good safe situation. Right, it wasn't a good safe situation for us to stay in. So All we right. Just, yeah, we decided to leave. Yeah. And he said, uh, "No, I have a contract with you." And he said, "No, you have a contract with a booking agent. You don't have a contract with us. We're leaving." And uh, it it yeah, it just got kind of right. dicey. Right. Yeah, and you weren't even you know in America, so that could have <laughs> could have gotten crazy, even crazier. That is wild. Well, it was interesting, you know, that you're, you're there. I think it was the first week we were there and, uh, we had heard about something that, that went awry, uh, the next beach over. And we read in the paper that two people got killed on a drug deal or something on the beach. And we're like, well, we could see that beach over there. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, not that, that, that far. That, that didn't help matters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. If you're, if you're not a local, you you know you you should definitely not be walking around by yourself in certain areas. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, wow. At least back then. <laughs> yeah. I remember you playing. I think a farm party in Athens. I don't know if I'm remembering that correctly. But um, uh, did you play a lot of private gigs? We did. We actually played a reggae fest, uh, and that was that's an interesting story too because. We were actually, I think we were playing at Easy Street at Bowling Green the same day. So we were playing reggae, this is a Saturday afternoon. And uh, we were actually playing two nights at Easy Street. So we were playing Friday night. And then we flew into Athens to play reggae fest and then flew back that night to play at Easy Street. It was, you know, you remember that, Bill? I mean, it was, what a crazy time. Well, we, yeah, we had friends that uh, that were like got their pilot's license and were studying aviation at OU, and they had access to the Cessnas at at, at Air, Athens Airport. And I remember they flew us up in those small Cessnas, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, we had two and, separate planes. Yeah, I remember that. And, and oh, yeah, that was uh, like turn and burn. We literally flew in the morning yeah. down in Athens there, 
Went to that. I remember it was set up on an 18-wheeler flatbed trailer, played the gig, mm-hmm. loaded up, came back, flew back, and played that night. Yeah, it was insane. Wow, that's impressive. And with student aviation, they're like, well, it's only my second time flying, but we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Dino Dino didn't like that flight. You'll have to ask him about that flight when uh, you have a chance to talk to Dino. (laughs) Oh, I will. I'm going to write that down. that's wild, though. Good. You guys are very popular. Were you? Did you? Were you able to stay students as well during this whole time? Oh my God! Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, absolutely. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've, uh, yeah. I think Matt and I both graduated in the same degree: uh, TCOM, radio, television. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was audio, video production. So you could go comp. You, if you did comprehensive, you didn't just study one or the other. You know, audio. You could do audio and do mixing console and all that, or you could do video. I mean, you knew eventually it was going to merge, so we, we did comprehensive. But, you know, I also minored in film and music, so music's always kind of been in my life, and I was taking music theory back in high school and all that stuff. But we, there was a time where we were playing a place called Presley's every Wednesday night, and the way I scheduled my classes, at least, I went to class every Tuesday and Thursday, I mean, from morning to night. And then I would have Monday, Wednesday, Friday off. But the problem was we would play till 2 a.m. at Presley's on a Wednesday night, and then you've got to drive back. So we wouldn't get back till 4. My classes started at 8. So it was pretty rough sometimes, especially if you had like a midterm or a final. It was insane, Bill. I, I, you know, I, I don't know how your schedule was ripped out, but I didn't have any Friday classes for most of the time I went to OU. I, th- I think I, we had a couple of those, Matt, also, where we might have hightailed it up to either uh, the flats in Cleveland or Bowling Green, and we had to we, double back the same night for classes. We did do that many Well, we were a lot younger back then, man. We could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Wow, you guys are dedicated. Yeah, I have a story where I went to uh, – I was in the journalism school, and we had tickets to a dead show in Florida – and I had to take that grammar test. And I went to the dead show and like hightailed it back to take that grammar test. Like, oh, I'll study on the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. I did pass by one point. But <laughs> it is yeah. like those were the days when you could do that. Well, that's great. You guys are you're dedicated, you know. that That's so awesome. Uh, you're so... I, I can remember one uh, it might have been like a, a spring fest year. It was that backyard party we played, Matt. Might have been on Mill Street or maybe or Palmer. I can't remember. Yeah, that, wasn't that the first Palmer fest? Might have been the first Palmer fest, but we were playing. Yeah, I think it was. But we played it, it was. Back patio. What year would that have been? I don't know when Palmer fest started. Uh, that was eighty six, eighty seven, something Seven, like that. It was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And uh, we were crammed on a patio. That was, oh, couldn't have been more than 12 feet by 9 feet. We had to fit all the equipment and everything on there. And it this party just took off. There must have been 500 people in this guy's backyard. And the cops come up and I, uh, over to my side of the stage. And he's looking at me. We're in the middle of the song. We're just peeling the paint off the place, man. Volume jamming loud. Cop goes, you play one more note, you're going to jail. And I'd get on the microphone. I'd go, "That's it, folks. We're done. Good night." <laughs> Walked off the microphone and disappeared. Ah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there were so many people that. So we were on this back porch to an open backyard, 
and, and you got people sitting on the, on the roof above us on this porch. And then you got people, it was like a ranch house or something, I believe. But then you got people actually on the roof. It was uh, people in trees. It was just crazy. People just everywhere and uh, just having an awesome time. It, it just, <laughs> I remember that one. It was, it was pretty intense. Wow. Did the, the uh, uh, fans ever get so crazy that you couldn't play or they jump on stage or, I don't know, throw up on you or any, any really annoying fans? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm going to call it a, an annoying fan thing on a public level, but I can remember an after hours at Dino's house one time up on uh, an after, for, yeah, for, two in first the morning. street. First Street, yeah. yeah. The yeah. house from the cemetery, the house across from the cemetery. Yep. He, had, he had an after hours. His living room was filled with people, and everybody's jumping up and down to the beat of the music, and we could, you know, it's it's a 100-year-old house. You can feel the floor moving about a good four to six inches, and Dino stands up from the drums going, stop, 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 you're going to break the floor. I mean, the whole house was, like, moving. Oh, that was crazy, crazy. <laughs> Oh yeah, really old house on the top of that hill. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that house. Oh, Many my a gosh. good time there. <laughs> yeah. There there was another time when we were playing. Now this is this is when you don't want people getting all shitty drunk on you and 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 and, and not being able to uh keep their balance. We were playing at a place called Pops and this is over. This is in Columbus area at uh, Kenny and Henderson area. And so we're playing, and we got a nice, decent stage. We had full PA going, great open space. Well, there is like a round golden railing all the way around the sides of the stage. And we, I, this one guy is just hooping it up. He's got his beer in his hand. He's leaning against the railing there and all this. Woo, love you guys. You guys are great. Next thing you know, he falls over on top of Paul's D28 and cracks it. And then cracks the neck. It, <laughs> you remember that, Bill? Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Yep. Oh my God! It was. Uh, oh man. Yeah, He's you know, not too happy. Well, I mean, I think that guitar was what ten thousand dollars, Bill? Something yeah, like that. Twelve. Twelve. Oh. It was Brazilian rosewood. That's why. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh shit. <laughs> well, and then Paul took him to small claims court, you know, because they wouldn't let him leave after he fell on his guitar. The guy tried to take off, you know, Oh shit. I just broke, I just smashed a $12,000 guitar. So he took him to court and won, but the guy never paid him. Uh, as far as I knew, did you, do you know anything else about that Billy? I don't. I, I remember at the time, uh, that's when I worked at the music store in Columbus, and I actually I sold him the guitar. Man. Oh, okay. man. Don't do that, listeners. Don't fall on someone's guitar. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> Lean back. Lean Le back. Right. We love you, too. We love you, too. Leave our, <laughs> leave our instruments alone. Right. <laughs> you know. Now, the hanger was pretty crazy. Any... Uh, any specific memories from days at the hangar i mean i think that bar was just like if i had to go in a time machine it'd be like take me back to the hangar in oh, 1987 <laughs> that's where i uh that's where i first made a lot of my first connections uh uh dave moran ran the open mic there and met joe shower through uh there who's still playing joe's down in florida uh 
St. Augustine, and he's uh, still gigging out full time. But Dave's still playing out in Colorado. I keep in touch with him. But that's actually where I first met Dino because I would hit these open the open mic there. And Dino was on the rugby team. And on Tuesday nights when they had open mic, they also had the rugby team have their you know beer party after they play a game. So Dino would you know had his back to me all this time, like several times. And like after a while, he kind of turned around and came up. And he goes, "Hey man, I, I, my name is Dino. I play drums." You know, and and that's where we made the connection through the hang. So that's a great story on the Hangar Five is where I met Dino the drummer. Well, and I I think I remember Bill back in the day. That was one of the first places that we rehearsed. Didn't they have like a little back room? It was, oh, it was all nasty beer smelling, like old beer spilled on the carpet. It just a real nasty place. But I don't think he charged us anything to rehearse there. And I think that's one of the first places well, we rehearsed at. Yeah, Bruce was the owner of the bar, and it was a uh, there was another Quonset hut behind there that had its own door, and there was an auto paint shop that used to be in there. So at the auto paint booth, we walled it off and lined it with egg cartons and carpet, and made it a huge practice room. And yeah, we used to have we'd have after hours where after the bar would get last call, we'd get like three cases of beer and say, "Hey, anybody want to come out back? We're going to jam," and we'd sneak out through the back and go into this back. Uh, rehearsal room and you know, have after hours and playing until the wee hours. But uh, that's where a lot of, uh, uh, you know, rehearsal times went back there. Met a lot of great musicians back there, but lots of great memories from the Hangar 5. Yeah. Oh, I, that is so cool. <laughs> well, Springfest, you know, Springfest was right there, right by you know, Hangar 5. So if, if you wanted to escape Springfest, you'd go right to the Hangar, have, have some drinks or whatever you need to do. And yeah, I Springfest was a, was a great time back in the day. Yeah, many many great memories with that. Yeah. Yes, and then uh, now, did you ever play Springfest? I Boy, I, I thought we did, didn't we, Bill? I I, I have a foggy memory of, of of that particular time, but you know, I think we might have played some of the Green Weekends during that because I, you know, along with Springfest, there was. East Green, West Green, South Green weekend weren't there? I don't know if those were at the same time or different weekends. Well, Springfest ended, so I went 86 to 90, and Springfest was only the first two years yeah. because then they, they changed the drinking age to right. 21. Right, And then that's when the other festivals took took uh, kind of took over. So, But you did play, you had said you played Halloween for sure. Oh, yeah. Boy, that was a good that was a good All one. right. All right. Tell me a favorite Halloween story. There's got to be one. <laughs> Matt, Matt, you got first dibs. Go. Well, it, it, my fondest memory of Halloween, we played many, but we played the first sanctioned Halloween. And I believe that was 1990 or 1991, where, they, where the city actually said, okay, we're finally going to get behind this. We cannot stop it. So we're going to do this thing. We're actually going to have a stage, and they set it up at the bottom of Court Street there, right by just past the BP and the dugout. It had a huge stage back in there, and it was facing back up towards uh, Cat's Eye and uh, Tony's and CI and all that stuff. So facing back up Court Street. I, I can't remember if that's northeast, south, or west. But being on stage, we headlined that night. Halloween, first sanctioned. 
And there was people as far as you could see. It's the most people I've ever played for. I, I mean, you couldn't count the people. We have a picture on our first CD. You open up the insert. And it's the, it's just from the back of the, it's, it's the back of our heads looking out onto the crowd from the stage. It's incredible. It's just. And they're all dressed up in costumes too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bill, I mean, what, what was your memory about that? By, by far that gig, I can remember just standing on that stage and looking all the way up as far as you could see up Court Street. And I think the head count was 18,000 that night or something like that. Just, you know, but just to have that many people in the palm of your hand playing music and just engaging with them and, and looking out and just seeing all the crazy costumes and people having fun. And, you know, I thought they did a great job of uh, organizing and running the event. And uh, but I sure had one heck of a time playing all that music. It was fabulous. Was, was it, Bill, was that 1990 or was it 1991? I, I couldn't remember. I, I want to say t- 89, 90. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, wow. I'm trying to remember. I, I thought it was 90 or 91, but uh, it, it yeah, was yeah. quite a sight, man. It was quite a it sight. It was, but like, like, like Matt said, the, uh, the, the inside of the CD insert has that picture from like up on a balcony up above the dugout shooting down on the stage, looking out of the crowd, and all you could just see are just heads all the way up the street as far as you could see. It was just a, just a memorable night. And you know, oh, just man. great sound, and you know the lights, the whole everything was with it. It was a just a big concert experience. Yeah, we, that is so awesome. We had, we, we, we we tried to do our, our our best Pink Floyd light show we could do with the, with the lighting we had back in the day. You know, <laughs> I mean, and then I, I think we might have even had uh, speakers further up the street, uh, delayed speakers. So you know, you didn't just have. If if you were only up front, right, Bill, or uh, right, I think it was delayed. Yeah, I, or something. I, I don't know if they had delayed. I don't know if they had delay towers. Uh, they might have, yeah. But I, if I recall, I think Dino did post some of this, some of that footage on the Crunch's Facebook page. But uh, Roz, by the way, there is a, a Facebook page for the Crunch, and if you scroll down through there, he did transfer those old VHS tapes from Halloween back then. And posted them on the uh, uh, Facebook page, so you can check out those videos firsthand. Ah, can people still buy your CDs? Pro- probably in the used bin of some record store somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's nothing arrived. in print. There's nothing in print, you know, right? Right. We have a uh, well, Roz. We you know we've we've been doing reunion shows. Uh, we were you know the third week of July we were doing reunion shows uh, every summer at uh, the Lazy Chameleon here in Columbus, Ohio, and then so each one of us kind of has straggler CDs, you know, from back when we were all a full band, and, and you know you get so many printed back in the day, so you could still get them at gigs if you come out to see a reunion show. We'll actually be playing a show. Uh, April 16th and 17th out at uh, Janie's in Cave Creek, uh, Arizona, uh, April of this year. So yeah, the, uh, Bill well, could probably tell are, you more about that. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the guys are flying out, Roz, uh, here a couple months, actually, uh, April 16th and 17th. We did this a couple years ago, and it went over great. And uh, But the guys have always wanted to come out and visit, and you know, they said, hey, could you just swing a gig? So I found this a gig for us at a room that I play regularly up in Cave Creek, it's an outdoor patio gig. It's uh, the name of the venue is called Janie's, but we're going to do a two-nighter, April sixteenth and seventeenth, seven thirty to ten thirty, 
And uh, but as Matt said, you know, when I when I get back in the summer times, traditionally we would do this reunion gig at the Lazy Chameleon in Powell. But it turned into more of an OU reunion because we just get all the Bobcats from all the years would come out, and it was so the the common denominator was the music that brought all the people together. So it just goes to show you how powerful you know the music is and keeping friendships ongoing. It's it's just great. Oh, I know all so I have so many good friends from my OU years still. Um, so yeah, you do you are still playing, and probably is the Facebook page the best way for people to uh, learn about your latest shows? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there is a Crunch uh, Facebook page, and we also kind of got a spinoff one called Bill Dutcher and the Serial Killers in reference to Captain Crunch. But, uh, but if you go to the Crunch Facebook page, uh, that's the easiest one to find us on there. And any updates are put on there. But in, you know, with COVID shutting everything down, it kind of uh, shut down the summer trip in 2020. Uh, um, as well as uh, this summer here, but we're going to try to uh, make it back uh, in the fall of 2021 here, and we're trying to negotiate and figure out a date that works uh, for the uh, Lazy Chameleon gig in the fall, and we'll have that information updated and posted on the Crunch Facebook page when we pull all that together. That sounds great. I know. I a big, Being a big music lover, I'm sure missing my concerts, that's for sure. So we can't wait till you guys can get playing again. And I'm going to look for that reunion show. Sounds like I need to go. Well, you know, before we, we uh, wrap it up, we like to ask our guests what their favorite thing about Athens is. So, Matt, what's your favorite thing about Athens? And do you ever get back? Uh, I do get back. Well... There was a time where I was playing down in Charleston. I've got a solo acoustic act now called Free Range Chicken. You know, you can check it out, FRC123 at Facebook. Um, but I would travel through there on my way to Charleston when I was playing some solo acoustic gigs down in Charleston. And I always had to stop in Athens. Now, food-wise, for me, the burrito buggy just killed it. I mean, after a show or if you're uptown on Court Street, you're hanging out. Two, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. You hit that burrito buggy, and it just made your night. Uh, one, you know, another thing that that kind of comes to mind too for me. I don't even know if people go up there, or if you're allowed to go up there anymore. But there's this hill right across from East Green, uh, and I used to live in Armbruster, but you know, we used to call it Bong Hill. And you could just go up there and hang out, and you could just look over all of Athens and see the university and everything. And we spent some time up there as a band and, and all that stuff. And, you know, enjoying nature as you would in, in those times. Uh, yes, yes, nature. <laughs> My, yeah, Bong Hills, they still call it Bong Hill. My, okay. I have a son that goes to OU. I'm so lucky. And I, I go back there all the time myself. I have a lot of friends that just did never left OU, you know. They just stayed in Athens. They became Athens- I thought I might. I thought I might do that just as well, but uh, <laughs> yeah. then we kind of migrated to the Columbus area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We one of our podcasts, we talked to the guy who was also there around our same time, who saved the burrito buggy, and uh, and bought it. It was for sale. I and, saw it on Facebook Marketplace, I think, or something. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we do have a podcast with him. If you want to check that out. Um, all right, Bill, what's your favorite thing about Athens? You know, uh, I can, when I, 
I went to one quarter to OSU, and after you know, I went down to OU because it's just smaller, you know, and just the, a lot more intimate. The the, the the hills, the the outdoors there, kind of tucked, nestled in that Appalachia area down there. Um, that really appealed to me. That just the down to earth type of people. Uh, you know, I I I didn't really go back on the breaks. I'd stay down there, and because uh, at the time I was working, you know, at events down there, but I always had a job. And so I, I just loved kind of getting to know the townies. I'd say as a guitar player, the biggest thing I loved about it was that Stuart, Stuart McDonald Guitar Supply Shop, a world-renowned guitar supply shop and uh, instrument building facility, is located right in Athens, Ohio. And I got to know Dan Erlewine, Mike Linskold, and uh, Jay Hostetler at the time, and a lot of great people through there. So, that, I mean, that, that's like children's palace for guitar players. And it was, it took me a year to figure out it was located in Athens because I met, I made that connection through Mike Linskold, who I still keep in touch with. Uh, Stroud's Run was another great uh, memory there. Uh, you know, just driving out through those hills and just loving that whole outdoors. Uh, I just really appealed to me. Blue Eagle Music uptown, Ethan Green at the time. Jed Foley, I think, owned it at that time, and I, I forget the guy that owns it now, but when we come back every summer, I always make a jaunt down to Athens. You know, it's on our list to do, and uh, like Matt said, the burrito buggy. Uh, we're just walking by the old places and the old haunts and uh, reliving the memories. Just absolutely love it. It's timeless. Yes. Yep. You described it perfectly. And that that's true. To, you're the first person I mentioned on the podcast about uh, those music stores. That's that's great for everyone one to remember. Well, I know we could go on forever, but I won't keep you any longer. Oh my gosh. I'm, it's been so fun reliving uh, the times with the crunch. And it just makes me smile to think of uh, you know being in Athens and dancing to your great music and you know, have, hanging out with friends and you guys really helped to make my time special there. And I'm sure it was that way for a lot of people. So thank you for your service. <laughs> well, thank you, Roz. Thank you, Roz, for uh, the interview. And, you know, it's like, like I said, it's the music that is the common denominator that seems to keep this great circle of friends together, you know, and I'm still plugging away at it after all these years full time. I'm mostly doing it as a solo acoustic guy, and you could learn more about me on my website at BillDutcher.com, as well as my Facebook pages and social media links. Yes, check it out, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We're going to have Dino on another time, and look forward to hearing more Crunch stories then. But good night, Bill and Matt. Thank you. Hey, Roz, thanks so much for having us. Loved it. Be safe. Thanks, Roz. Uh, thank you.